Wow, it's great to be here this morning to worship with you. And first time, I don't know, I've been all over the country, and this is the first time I've had the privilege of being at Bars Mills. I think I was here to visit one time for some meeting you had, but I've not been in the church and had the opportunity. It's great to be here. It's great to meet new friends and to reacquaint with our older friends. We walked in this morning and found that we have people that we know here. And so it's exciting. We're excited to be here this morning and to share with you. I want to talk with you this morning a little bit about are you visioning or vanishing? You see, our country depends on the church. And you will find in the direction the church goes, generally the country goes. So that tells you a little bit about the problems that we have in our nation. Because many times we are not approaching it from the standpoint that we ought to be within the church. Before I start, though, let me share with you, most of you that know me, uh, know I always have some kind of a story, but I, I think about the preacher that was uh, worked hard in his sermon. He just worked and worked and worked all week. Saturday night he had it laying on the table. He was going through it and getting to the last-minute preparations of it. And left it laying there overnight. Got up the next morning when he went to put it all together, he found that his dog, who likes to eat paper, had eaten a portion of his sermon. So he got up to preach that Sunday morning, and he got into it and just gone and gone and gone, and finally came to the place to where the dog had eaten, and he said, that's all I've got to say, folks. My dog likes paper, he ate the paper, and I have nothing more to say. Might as well sing a song and we'll go home. So they did. When he got to the door, there had been a friend that had been there, a visitor that had come from another church. And he walked up to the preacher and he said, Preacher, if that dog of yours ever has pups, I want to buy one for my preacher. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, my dog don't like to eat paper, so you're not that fortunate this morning. Uh, uh, my dog doesn't care about paper. But I, but I want to share with you this morning because I believe that there's one text that I want to use, and it comes from Proverbs 29. Verse number 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. In other words, when we think about that, visioning is seeing, and vanishing is disappearing. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning because I believe that as I travel across this nation of ours and the places where I preached and the churches that I visit, many times I find that the church somehow has lost its mission. It's lost its vision for what it's supposed to be there for. We think more about entertaining ourselves and enjoying ourselves and being friendly to one another than we are the mission of the Bible has called us to do is to win people to Jesus Christ. And I see this as a great failure. In fact, there are many churches that I have preached at. I'm so thankful to come and see you still have a pulpit and you still have altar rails. Sometimes I have, you know, I get done preaching, I say, you know, I have an altar rail to use these front pews because usually they're empty anyway except for yours. I thank you for being brave enough to sit in the front pew. But you know, I thought about this. You know, as I begin to think about the visioning, you know, I read a story some years ago. Off the coast of Maine lies a little island, a small island, that is surrounded by the ocean. 
And there was a preacher that had gone there several times through his ministry. When he retired, he decided he would go to that island and he would retire there. And when he did, he began to notice that there was a lot of children around. So he began to have the idea that he would start a Bible story, a Bible class, and he would invite the children to come. So he sent out all of the literature to all these homes and then set up a day that they would start. And on the day that he was to teach the class, there were some 40 children that showed up. And as he began, he began with a statement. How many of you have ever seen the Atlantic Ocean? Not one hand went up of those 40 children. You see, the reason was, is because, you see, sometimes we're like those children. These children had lived around that ocean so long. They had been there so long that not one of them... You see, there's such a thing as being so much part of our environment. We're so much a part of that environment that we simply are not aware of it. You see, it's kind of like the old saying there, you know, you're, uh, uh, that you can't see the forest for the trees. And you know what happens to all of us. There, those Bible school children saw the water. They just didn't know that it was the Atlantic Ocean. And so when I thought about that, are we all just like that? We, whatever your, your present vision is, whatever your present idea of life is, my friend, sometimes our environment can take us in a wrong direction. And so I want to talk about your vision this morning. You see, no matter what your vision is, no matter what it is of the country or even of the church, it needs to be enlarged. Every day we need to be visioning more and seeing more of what God wants to do in our lives. And so I begin to think about Psalms 29. The Scripture said, where there's no vision, the people perish. That old proverb is just as true today as it was when it was written in the day that it was penned in the Scripture. Let me tell you something. To the covenant of the community of Israel, vision shapes us. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision will shape you in all of your life. Vision controls us. Vision determines is a determining factor of who we become in life. When we have a vision for what we want to do. Your vision, how you want to look, determines by the kind of clothing that you buy. The vision that how you want to appear to people depends upon the beauty shop you ladies go to or the men that you go to the barber shop just for. You see, our vision of all of this is there. Your vision of marriage is determined by the factor of what you want your marriage to become. You see, vision is a vital part of our lives. Vision shapes our nation. It shapes the world. And let me tell you something, it shapes the church of God. Where there is no vision, the church will cease to be. And I see it going on all around us. Vision not only shapes, my friend, and the lack of it determines your interest and your decisions in whatever you make to do. Now, let me tell you the reason I say that. Because I think of a young preacher that moved to the Oak Ridge, Tennessee. He went to a church there, a very small church, in Oak Ridge, it was during the time, you know, when they were building the atomic plant there and nobody can see it because I've been there and it's all a big old grass mound. It's all underground. But the young preacher that came there began to see as they began to build this 
big plant. There was lots of migrants that moved in. There was not enough housing for them. So they set up tent cities. And these families that would come had many children. And the young pastor approached his board and said, You know, I've been praying about this and the Lord's kept me awake. I believe that we ought to go over to that tent city and we ought to invite those little children and those moms and dads to come to our house of worship. Well, they came back and they thought about it. And they said, but preacher, don't you realize those little kids over there, uh, they, they, why they eat <laughs> almost like pigs. I mean, they don't have any tables. They eat off of the dirt ground. They're, they're living in tents. They're dirty people. What will they do to our building? And so the idea, the vision for that church was shot down. But I want to tell you something. I've been through Oak Ridge, and I want to tell you about that little church today. There's a big neon sign out in front of it. And those people that he didn't, them people didn't want in that church. You see, it's no longer a church. There's a sign that's out front of it that says, come and share our hot wings and chicken and ribs. There's all kinds of people in that building now. It not only happened in Oak Ridge, it happened in Ohio. I was on a board that went to Columbus, Ohio within within hollering distance of the University of Ohio State. And we had a church there that went down and went down and went down and went down until they closed the doors. But you know what? I drove into Columbus just this last year and drove around that building just to see what was there. They said it was too crowded. There was not enough room on the streets. There was nowhere to park. But you know what? They have a restaurant in there that is a, it is a five-star restaurant. They've left the picture wind, beautiful windows. They've left some of the pews. They just moved them out and put some fancy tables in and they're making Making a mint, but God's word's not being preached there anymore. Why? Because where there's no vision, the church will perish. And so I want to talk about vision this morning. You see, we need to realize that we need to have that vision. Those many, many years ago, I don't know how long it's been, but I can guarantee you that many years ago that there were Christians, the first Christians here at Bar's Mills were moved with a vision, was moved with compassion, that they wanted to build a church in this community that could win the Lord Jesus, people to the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to claim this place for the Lord. And you see, that vision was there. It was enlarged. And, and so they wanted it. But conviction, my friend, one, when I think about this, vision is important. You know, I would rather have one person with conviction is worth more than a hundred with only interest. One person with a vision. A vision of God. A vision to do something for God. I thank God this morning that I had the privilege of being able to see all of these young children here. And I want to tell you something. You need to be commended for that. Because many places you don't see that many children anymore. Because they've got so many other activities that are going on. And I want to tell you something, when we have that vision and we have that interest, great things can happen. I love the words of John Wesley. John Wesley once made, made this statement. He said, give me a hundred men that love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I'll take this world for Jesus Christ. My friend, that is vision this morning. That's real vision, folks. If there's no vision for the hungry and the homeless and the helpless, your church ministry is limited to filled with only those that are in the club that worship. Only those that will come, my friend, and the body of Christ is not working in the world. 
If there's no vision for the single person, then your ministry is only to the traditional family. If there's no vision, my friend, today for the divorced person, then your ministry will serve only married population. You see, we limit ourselves in the church. There's no vision for faith and development, dynamic discipleship, then the joy of growing and moving forward in the faith, my friend, will not happen. If there's no vision, my friend, for church ministries, I've been places where they have all kinds of ministries announced. And I begin to ask about what goes on in this ministry. And they say, well, we make it available, but we just don't want anybody. Nobody ever comes. You see, ministries have to have a vision. When you have a vision for what you want God to do, and it will become, my friend, if you don't have that vision, if it's not long, then churches become nothing more than a museum rather than a launching pad to win people to Jesus Christ. We need to be concerned about that today. Let me illustrate. You see, you may have a strong right arm. This arm can lift a lot of things. But you know what? If for some reason that arm is tied to my side, and it's left there for three or four years, when I have that arm released, I want to tell you something, it won't be lifting anything for a while. If you don't believe that, just ask my wife. A few months back, she tripped and fell in our house and broke her shoulder. Broke her arm right at the shoulder. I'm going to tell you something. It took months. It took, it took weeks and weeks and weeks of trying to lift that arm. And she still says, you know what? I can't believe this thing. She says to me, I'm sitting in the room. She, would you come and, and pour? You filled that pitcher too full with iced tea. I need a glass of iced tea and I can't lift that pitcher with this arm right now. You see, when you, you weaken that arm, it won't be doing much. Let me tell you something. When a church ceases to do a lot of the ministry that they ought to be doing in that after year after year you don't do it. When it comes time and the challenge comes for you to do it, you won't be able to do it then. Because you see, it takes practice. It takes making that ministry work within our lives. The same is true of the church. If you don't use your vision as a church, you will have weakened your capacity for love for people. You will weaken your capacity for the truth of the Word of God. You will weaken your, 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 your capacity for, for compassion and kindness and goodness and encouragement. I believe that a church that has a vision will not ask for a task that meets its power, but for power that equals the task. You see, a lot of times we don't understand why God leads us to certain things and asks us to do something. But we must not ask for a task equal to our power, but for power equal to the task that Christ assigns us. You see, John Wesley wasn't, his fear wasn't that the Methodist church that he was a part of at that time. He wasn't, he, he wasn't worried that they would not be, a, there would no longer be Methodist people. His, his fear was that it would become a form of religion rather than the power of the Holy Spirit leadership within that re- religious group. And you know what has happened in our churches today? There's so many churches that we see, my friend, that has lost their vision. And so the church has just become a repetition of the same thing week after week, day after day, nothing expected, never praying and never expecting when the Holy Spirit would come and anoint and move upon them and ask them to do certain things. You see, because they have lost that power that's needed within their lives. World War II... One of the French generals was asked a question, which side will win? I love his reply, and I think it's worth remembering. He said, the side that advances. 
Now let me tell you something. You know the church that will win? The church that advances. A church that doesn't get settled in the same old thing over and over and over. You know, we, we do so many things in the church that we don't even understand. I've, I've gone places where they've done things and I said, why, why do you do that? And, well, I don't know. I guess we've done that for years. You see, sometimes we need to understand why we do what we do. It's not a place of just doing it for just to be have it done. George Lyon was uh, 68 years old when uh, he finally, uh, you know, he finally came to the place when he, George asked uh, Catherine if the McDonald, who was now 60 years old, if they get married. And you know what? Uh, the, the, the difference in that is not that they had been married. They just, you know, they had dated for 44 years. Never got married. And, and finally, when, when George finally asked her to marry him, and then she married him, somebody asked her, why, why, why did you take so long? She said, well, you know, George, he's a little shy. You know what? we got a lot of people in the church of God that's a little shy. Did you know that I read not long ago that uh, that the average church member has listened to 6,000 sermons? They've heard over 80,000 prayers. They've sung 20,000 hymns and courses over and over and over again, but they've asked zero person to accept Jesus Christ. What's wrong with us? Why do we no longer want the idea of weaning people, of having their lives changed, of doing something that would help them to get us away? Do you know that people need the Lord and the church is here to help people find Him? That's the whole purpose of the church. I, I, I remember sitting in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. I pastored there 15 years. I was in St. Francis Hospital with a man sitting in a waiting room with his wife going to surgery. Charlie and I were sitting there. We had just had prayer with Mary. They had just wheeled her out to do the surgery. And we went to the waiting room. And I, I sat, he sat down. And, and somebody else that knew me there was talking a little bit. I walked over. And Charlie, he's just crying. And as soon as I asked him something, he began to cry out loud. Now, you have to know Charlie. He's a quiet guy. I said, Charlie, what's wrong? He said, you know, worried so much. And I said, but Mary's a Christian. She's a lovely lady. We have prayed. We've asked God. He's going to help her. She'll be okay. He said, I know she'll be okay, but I won't be. I said, why? He said, I've never asked the Lord to save me. I want to tell you something. Well, the doctor did surgery on Mary. And Charlie and I knelt in that waiting room and he found Jesus Christ for the first time in his life. I want to tell you something. He was a worker in that church. He became part of that church. He did all these things. But you see, he had gone year after year after year and he got so accustomed of just coming to church and hearing the invitation that he never accepted it. You see, we become so involved with our environment The most important thing that can happen around here this morning is not from here, it's not from what we've done thus far, but the most important thing that will happen is what happens in your hearts and your lives, either back there or up here. That's what church is all about. That's what we're here for. That's the whole purpose of it. You see, we build our sanctuaries, beautiful sanctuary, and you have one. And we set up our ministries to be friendly. And when I say friendly, I mean we need to be friendly. That's the thing in all the interims that I've done where I go. And my people's that way. They'll tell you that, anybody I pastored. You see, when I have people come to me in the hallway and say, Pastor, I noticed there was a new couple. 
That brand new couple was in there this morning and, and I'm looking at them and, and I'm saying, yeah, I know. I, what, what do you want to know? They said, who is it? I said, you're asking me? I'm on the platform. You're in the pew. You're the, ch- you're the church. My friend, you ought to know when a new visitor comes. You ought to be the first one to let them know and find the best seat for them and do whatever you can to enhance them, to know that you love them and you care about them and you're glad they're there. You see, so many times we invite people, but when they come and they're not our kind, then we're not, so we kind of off distance on them. We kind of hold them at a hand's distance, you know. But you know what we need to do? We need to love them. We've done some interns. We've had some people come in, and and uh, it, it's a it's a fun thing that what I've been doing. But you know, we've had some people come in, and I I think of some of the folks who come in. Uh, you know, some of them don't, don't. You know, they've just never been in church, and they don't understand. You know, we had a lady, uh, and she just uh, you know she just quit when we were going to leave, and I assured her that this new pastor would really be a good man. He would serve her. But you know what? I noticed there were some people. They were just scandalous. She was. She wasn't, she didn't look like everybody else. She had been raised in the world. She was out there with all the things that's going on and found out it didn't satisfy. And she came to church looking for something that would satisfy. You see, that's what we need in the church. We need to help people to know that we're here to help them. We're here to, to win them. We're here to do this. But you see, it's good news that they want to hear. But I'm going to tell you something, good news outside of the church. It's only if they hear and accept it. It's the cure only if they know that they are terminally ill. House calls may be a thing of the past for doctors, but it will never be the thing of the past for the church. You see, we don't do a few and find out. I had a man come to an altar, one place where I pastored, and knelt on the left-hand side, got down there and just crying, and he was a great guy. He played piano and sang. He's weeping, and I thought maybe he had a problem. He said, Pastor, he said, my mom's had a heart attack, and, and she's over there in the hospital. And, and he said, I want to pray for my mom. I want you to anoint me for my mom. I said, yeah, we'll do that. That's not a problem. Jack, we'll, we'll just do that. And so when we prayed for her and got done, and, and that afternoon I thought, well, he was really concerned about his mom. I think I'm going down to the hospital. I went down to the hospital and visited her in, in between church services. Back then we had two services. You know, I went down to visit her and, and, and I, I began to, I had prayer with her and told her what was happening. We told her that her, her son had stopped and prayed at the altar for her and, and he was very concerned for her and she went to another church. Very regular. But she was in the hospital for two weeks. They kept running tests, and she got better and got better. And, and and the whole time she was there, about every other day, I'd stop in and just see her and have prayer with her. And, and as we'd go in, I would I would meet some of the family. I mean, he meet her. You know, I already had his son and his wife, and I'd meet some of the other siblings. I'd she had a daughter, and and some of the family would come in. And you know something, that lady, I prayed for her, and she renewed her commitment to Christ, and she told her son, she said, I'm getting out of the church, I'm getting out of the hospital on Friday, and I'll be in the church of God on Sunday morning. But she had a heart attack. Friday night, she died. Never got to the church. But you know what? She said, I want Pastor Swagger to do my, my funeral. I did that funeral. Now, this is a house call I'm talking about. I'm going to tell you how good it works. All that family that was there. Out of that, 
That church gained about 15 people connected to that family. All because I made a house call. Try it. It's exciting. It's exciting to see people respond when you go and put a call on to them. You know what? I believe with all my heart that that's important. You know what? I thought about this. You know, there, there are times when we need to make it. You see, doctors take a personal risk when they take care of you when you're sick. You go to their office. You see, it's a risk. He tends to, get, uh, to take a risk to getting sick himself. But the sick needs his help. And as Christians and as a church... We have what the world needs. Listen to me. We have what the world needs, what they're looking for. We have sins forgiven. And we can share that with them. But the good news, my friend, is only good news outside of the church if it's accepted. Consider what life would be like, my friend, if Jesus Christ had never come into your life. Consider what life would be like if nobody ever befriended you and asked you to come to this church. You see, the limitations of the church are not the lack of talent. We have some of the greatest talent today than we've ever had. It's not the lack, my friend, of brain power because what we don't know, we just talk to our phone and ask, give her an answer. We've got the power. We have it today. And so when I begin to think about it, it's not money It's not the lack of abilities. It's the lack of availability. We have it, but we never want to commit ourselves to say, I'm available, Lord. Send me. Help me. Do whatever I need to do. Many will not be putting themselves in God's disposal today. What hampers and keeps the church from being the church of Jesus Christ called it to be is the lack of bold and courageous vision. My friend, we need to be quick Dream in small dreams and dream big dreams because the world needs Christ today. And like the followers had that started this church from the beginning, just like the children who lived off the coast of Maine, lived right around the Atlantic all that time, surrounded in every direction, many people today miss the vision often right in front of their eyes. You know God sometimes moves a neighbor in for a reason. God sometimes sends you to a store for a reason. God sometimes lets you meet somebody that you've never known before in your life for a reason because they're searching, they're looking for help that only we can give. I remember we were up, way up northern Ohio. Men are, men are on a lake. One Sunday morning, standing in the foyer waiting for church and Sunday school to start and lady pulled up in front of the church and got out of her car and came inside. My wife was standing there with, with two or three of the ladies. And this lady came in and said, I, 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 I need to make a, a trip to the hospital and, and I don't think I've got enough gas. I, I just wonder if somebody could give me a little gas money. Two of those ladies kind of looked and then they kind of turned her back. And my wife walked over and said, what, what did you say you needed? She said, if I had a little gas money. So I became the honey dude. My wife called us, Hey honey, give me some money. This lady needs help. And so I did. I pulled out my billfold. We gave her some money and, and out the door. She didn't stay for service. She didn't stay for anything I do with the church. But you know what? The next week, my wife watches our grandkids. 
Now this happened on the very day at the very time. My daughter and, and her boys, her husband had worked late and got in late and he didn't go in the church. She was taking them kids out of the church. She left her pocketbook. She left her cell phone. She left her. She was in a hurry to get to church. And just as she came over the knoll of the hill, that Honda began to spit and sputter. And she coasted it down the hill off to the side of the road and there was a little church, a little white church sitting there on the left. She said, I, I don't have my phone, I don't have my, I don't have my purse to get any gas, and the gas station's gonna be on up in town, and I gotta get there. So she went over to the church and she said, I, I forgot all this, can I, can I use your phone to call my husband? One fellow said, well give me the number, I'll call. She said, oh, if he just sees somebody else's name like that, he probably won't answer that phone. And another fellow said, I'll tell you what, we got some gasoline out there in the shed for a lawnmower. They brought it over and they dumped it in the car. They got the car started and they gave her the exact same amount of money my wife gave to that other lady. Now you tell me God doesn't look out for us when we look, when we search. You see, when we obey God, great things can happen in our lives. I want to tell you something, our lack today, just, just as these children didn't see the vision, many people don't today. We not only need sight, but we need insight. Only the Holy Spirit can give us that. And I wonder this morning when I begin to think about that, are we visioning or are we vanishing? What is happening in our lives? You see, the vision is, is when you see a need, you know. And I thought about this. You know, a number of years ago, I read about two shoe salesmen, big salesmen, and they decided that they were going to send these two salesmen. They were top-notch salesmen. They were going to send them to Africa. They got over to Africa and they had, they had sent along with them some, some shoes and, and one guy was going to go one direction and one the other. Well, they got out there and worked about one day and the old fellow come back and he called the office. He said, you know what? You just sent me to a worst place in the world. He said, you can't sell shoes here. They don't even wear them. Take them back and send me a ticket to come home. Within an hour, the other one called the same office and said, man, send me a truckload of shoes. They don't have any shoes over here. What a potential! Let me tell you something, that's the way it is with the church. When we look and say, well, people are interested in the Lord. Oh yeah, they are. It's on how you deliver it. It's on how you give it to them. It's how sweet you make it. It's how wonderful you make it. They're not interested in somebody that's got a Baha religion. They want somebody that's excited. You see, that's what it's all about. Let me tell you something. What a great demand there was. And likewise, today, the great demand for the Gospel that will change lives of people is in demand today. People ask me all the time, how do you know what ministry? How do you know how to do it? Ministry, my friend, is finding a need and filling it. That's ministry. It's not about sitting down with the Bible and trying to explain everything. And that comes along with it. But that's not how you win them. You see, ministry is when you see a need. I hear people all the time say, Pastor, i got a friend down here. I think they really need your help. Well, if God led you to that friend, maybe you'll have more input with them than I will. But you see, ministry is finding a need and filling it. It's building bridges to help those that are in need of Christ. 
You see, sometimes you don't win in the first time. Sometimes you've got to build that bridge. I built the bridge, retired, and moved into a community. We're building bridges all the time. We know everybody on our street anymore. And the reason is because they know I'm the guy that if they call, my wife said, yeah, he'll take care of that. You see, he'll take care of that. And so I do. I mean, I've done all kinds of things for all these people. i got a lady now in the hospital over in the nursing home, got her arm broken. I cut her grass last week. I mean, I, she was worried. That worried her. We, we told her about the cat that was in the neighborhood she fed. Didn't belong to her, but she fed. My wife said, well, we're feeding that cat. Don't worry about it. You see, sometimes you have to build the bridge. This lady that didn't know us, that would go to her mailbox and turn her back and never answer, never talk to you, let me tell you something, we get her eaten out of our hand. Why? Because you see, you build a bridge first. You build a bridge with people. Invite them when you don't understand them. My friend, instead of knocking them, invite them to dinner. Invite and take them out in order for you to sit across the table from them and understand where they come from. You see, we're not all been as fortunate as some of us. Some have had a tough time in life. They don't know that Christ can help them. They need to know. Some people think we've always been a good guy. <laughs> don't let them look at your past too far. Because we haven't all been good. We've all had our problems. You see, if your ministry's reaching a hand of love to those in need. You see, I, I believe this this morning. And I want to tell you, in closing this morning, I remember reading one of the, one of the great Lincoln stories. Great Lincoln stories out there. Lots of them, you know. You know, one guy said he knew that Lincoln was important because he had his head on a penny. You know? I mean, only a penny, but he was important enough that they put his head on it. You know what? And, and Lincoln stories concerned an incident that took place in the White House years. He didn't go to church every Sunday because when the president goes to church, he messes everything up with the Secret Service and everybody else and, and you know all the attention that he gets. And so he didn't go every Sunday, but he would go on Wednesday night. And he would go on Wednesday night, and many times he would sit in the pastor's office. You know, the first few churches I had, the office was right there. He had a little old dinky thing in the wall. But he would sit in the pastor's office and with the door open. He'd listen to the preacher preach. This particular day, he took an aide with him from the White House, and they went to church on that Wednesday night, and, and the preacher just, he did a great job. I mean, he just preached down the line, and, and you know, he challenged his people. And when the service was over and they went to walking back home, the, uh, this young aide said, he said, well, what did you think of the message? And Lincoln said, well, I thought it was well thought through, powerfully delivered, Wonderful, eloquently. Oh, you thought it was a great sermon? He said, no, I didn't say that at all. He said, I told you that it was. He said, the reason it wasn't a great sermon was is because he didn't challenge us to do anything with it. You know what? That's a problem we have today. We can preach a lot of great sermons, but if we don't challenge somebody to do something with it, you see, he failed because he didn't ask us to do something great. Today, I'm asking you as a congregation to do something great. Do something great for the Lord. You see, my God, what a fantastic time to be alive. 
I mean, our message just goes from here with all this paraphernalia we got on so you can hear it. But then it's recorded and then it's put on Facebook and it's put on all these things out there that everybody can just pick it up on their telephone and sometimes may, might even make a mistake and get the preacher instead of somebody else and get the one to the Lord. You see, what a fantastic day that we live in. I want to tell you something. A fantastic time to be used of God by the church of God. It can happen today. It will happen today only if you're willing to commit yourself to allow it to happen through you. You see, the question is this morning, are you visioning or are you vanishing? What kind of a vision do you have this morning? for your life, for your ministry, for your call upon God. And then what kind of ministry do you have for this church? You're going to be looking for new leadership. You're going to be looking for somebody that has a vision to see this thing meet this whole community, meet the people in this place, in this community all around us. Let me tell you something. There are people out there today that are not in church that needs the Lord. And the only way they're going to know is when you're willing to go out there. You're willing to make that house call. You're willing to invite them to the church. You're willing to sit with them in church. You're willing to pray with them about their matters. You're willing to even sometimes dig in your pocket and give them something to help them along the way. You see, people need to know that Christ works in our lives. And we're the only one that can show them. You know what? You're the only Bible that some of these folks are ever going to read. And you know, by the way, there's so many translations out there today that a lot of them, they don't know whether, they, they just think they're okay anyway. They just think if they go to the place that's got a sign that says church, and they sit in a pew, or they sit in a chair, and listen to a service for a few minutes, that everything's okay. No, my friend, you come, you can go to the doctor's office, you can make the appointment, but unless you walk through the door and crawl up on that table and let him listen to you, He'll never know what's going on on the inside. That's the same thing true with the church. You see, we preach a message and we open an altar to let you know that the same God that healed in the past, the same God that saved in the past, the same God that met the needs in the past, the same God that brought marriages together is still alive today and works in the lives of those that will believe in Him. So this morning, we're going to sing a song and we're going to open the altar. And if you would like to come and pray, I'd be happy to pray with you. Or you can pray alone. But ask God to renew that vision. Help me, Lord, not to vanish. Help me not to, to quit believing. Help me to stop realizing how great of a God you are and what you can do in our lives today. You know what I see more happening I thought when we retired, there would be nothing. But I'm going to tell you something. We see more happening now as much as we've ever had. Because you know what? We're still seeking people that need the Lord. People need the Lord today. And you can be the answer to helping them find Him if you'll just be obedient to the Spirit of God. Let's stand together. Father, this morning... As we prepare our hearts to sing, and Lord, You know the hearts and the lives of the folks that are here. Lord, we pray today that You would give them a brand new vision. A vision, God, that would show them that what You have done for them, You want to do for others. 
Help us, Lord, to reach out. Help us to build bridges. Help us, Lord, to find a ministry and, and find ourselves involved in it that we might see these pews filled and see these altars lined and see happy faces of people that have reached out and found the Lord and are excited about it. Father, we pray today. I don't know what their needs are, but Lord, You do. We pray right now, Lord, that You would just meet every need in this building. For we ask it in Christ's name. Will you come as we sing?